Welcome to Australian Hunger, I am your host Ben. On the show today I've got an interview with Bear the Mammoth, post-rock band from Australia. But before I get to that, just briefly want to chat about something. And I do mean briefly, I think I went a little bit overboard last week. But Nogal, who I discussed last week as well, made a comment saying that he can believe in a world without God but he can't believe in a world without Slayer. Something I think is really important to kind of think about as metal sort of transitions away from the traditionally big bands. Black Sabbath is is done. You know, the, 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 the original basically band of heavy metal. I think this one's going to be really important because with Aussie still touring, Black Sabbath hasn't sort of gone away. It's still there. But it's hard to imagine any sort of incarnation of any aspect of Slayer continuing on. So it's basically the end of the era, and like I think sort of the first real demise of one of the really big bands of heavy metal. And it's just going to be interesting where we go from now when, as these big bands sort of fade away, like what is this thing that we do without its sort of largest and most important bands? Something to think about, and I'm not going to discuss it too much at this particular time. So I interviewed James Kershaw from Bear the Mammoth, really enjoyable bands, putting on some really great stuff, I think... With post-rock, I find it very hard to come across a release I don't enjoy. Because when you're sort of playing that kind of music, you basically have to be skilled enough and going in the right direction musically. It's kind of almost a given that you're going to put out a good release. So I chatted to him about their latest album, Years Under Glass, and also a little bit about the tour. So they're going to be playing a couple of gigs over the next few weeks. So they're going to be playing today. This is released in the very early hours of the morning, but they're going to be playing later tonight in Adelaide at the Hotel Metro. They're going to be playing next week on the 27th at the Evelyn Hotel in Melbourne, and they're going to be playing in Brisbane at the Bearded Lady on the 9th of November. So if you're in any of those cities, definitely check them out. I personally can't wait to see them. So during the interview, I played two songs. The first is Decembering during the middle, and the last is Sank right at the end. So this is James Kershaw from Bear the Mammoth. I often like to start these sort of back at the beginning to kind of get an idea of where the bands come from. When, how, why did the band start? Uh, um, so myself and the bassist, uh, Stephen Evans, we've been um, playing together um, basically the day we first got our instruments <laughs> and started playing um back in, or oh, I don't know, maybe about 2006 or something around then. Um, and yeah, we've been good friends for um, a very long time and just started making music then. Um, we have been through a number of different lineups, um, started off kind of as a comedy band because we were pretty young at the time and just wanted to make fun music and then kind of went into like... Uh, formed transformed into a sort of a funk band and then more of a kind of a rock band alternative rock and then um yeah then we got our current lineup and um always oh, we had a different drummer before this um when we became an instrumental band um under bear the mammoth but um yeah we just um have 
the two of us have stayed together. Ben's been um, with us for quite a long time as well, um, the other guitarist. And, yeah, we've um, just had good musical chemistry between um, between uh, the well, the three of us to stay together for that long. And um, about a year ago, or sorry, a couple of years ago, we got a, a new drummer, James Carmen, who just slotted in really well. And, yeah, also good chemistry with him and, so, yeah, able to make um, good music together. And, yeah, it's been really fun. Mm, that's, that's really interesting. Why did this particular iteration of uh, you and Stephen kind of stay on your current sound, this current iteration of, you know, you two working together? Mm. Um, I suppose we've always, like, we've, we've been in other bands um, with different people um, and um, those bands have, have stopped. Uh, the two of us just... Um, yeah, um, we always we always share different musical interests, and our musical interests have kind of developed together over the years um, as we got better at our instruments, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, as we got better at our instruments, we just got into different types of music that um, stretched us more, um, and we did focus a lot on improvised jamming as well. So with our uh, the drummer um, that we had, Chris Lobo, he, um, yeah, we used to basically spend most of our time um, when we jammed together just improvised jamming. Um, and, um, yeah, we got really into getting different effect pedals and stretching the sounds and trying to make our instrument sound, you know, as different as we could. Um, and, yeah, the music we started uh, listening to, yeah, um, it was kind of like yeah, post rocky um, music, but also very experimental music as well. Which is where I just were, and um, yeah, I mean, people label us as uh, a post rock band, but we think we've got many other sounds going for us as well. But um, yeah, I mean, if we had a singer, we probably wouldn't be called post rock. We'd be called some other genre <laughs> but um because we don't have a singer i think it's just easy to label us as post rock but yeah we've got lots of different sounds going on and um yeah we've just i think it's a lot of the improvised jamming as well that has led us um to you know make these longer songs that just that, that flow on and um yeah change say basically yeah long improvised jams without a singer kind of can sound like <laughs> post-rock music in some mm, ways. No, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I, I really noticed that they're kind of, like, I, I think broadly, like, people are definitely right that there's a lot which is, you know, could be labelled as post-rock, but there's sort of a lot of different things flowing underneath. With, with all instrumental bands, I'm always interested in why they don't have a singer because I think that sort of mm. that sort of <laughs> shapes like why they are the band mm. they are. What, what, why didn't you guys... I know, get a singer. Why don't yeah. you guys? Why don't you have a singer, basically? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah. When Steve and I played, we've, I reckon, off the top of my head, we probably had four or five different singers <laughs> back in the days um, uh, with the different genres we've kind of been through. Um, and yeah, we went through different singers. Our last singer that we had, I think we were just writing music. Um, I think at the time we were kind of getting into say a bit more post rock type music and um or more experimental music and 
um, you know, using more effects and getting a bit mathy as well that like kind of we developed, but the singers kind of didn't develop with us. <laughs> um, and it kind of became more difficult for them to write lyrics over the things we were playing. Um, that's, and then, yeah, that kind of, that that's why our last singer um, stopped kind of working with us. Is, I don't know, we had different interests. So he had interests in different um, style of music that, you know, was obviously different to the direction we were heading in. So we we separated, we parted ways with him and um, we didn't have a singer. I think it was in mind that maybe we'd look for another singer. Um, but then uh, I, think the, I think the moment probably when we decided that it's probably a good idea to not have a singer was when um, we played a gig and um, we played in front of a crowd without a singer. Um and the response we got from the crowd um, was really, or oh, was just more than any response or better response than we've got from um, previous gigs of having a singer. Um, and I think it's just maybe put it down to the crowd or the people listening could focus on the the music more than say the the front man or you know the the lyrics. So and um, they're able to. Yeah, focus on you know how intricate and um, how nice the, the music can sound, and not without a vocalist. So um, yeah, we after that we just kind of thought, yeah, we'll continue to go without a singer, um, and we've stayed on that path and haven't looked back. <laughs> No, it's definitely good to to just go with it. It's something that works for you. Where did the name come from? <laughs> um. So we didn't know, we didn't have a band name for a while. This is when we had a singer. Um, and we were, you know, we were discussing a heap of different ideas and couldn't really think of uh, a, a name that we could all agree on. And then I think, you know, some of the ideas we were putting across, some of them had the name Bear in it and some of them had the name Mammoth and someone had the idea of what about like a a bear you know, um, bear that's a mammoth or bear, you know, uh, what about a bear a bear that's the mammoth or bear the mammoth? So, and, and I don't know, since have, after you're having that discussion, it kind of stuck and <laughs> no one said no to it. So <laughs> and, um, that's what we stuck with. <laughs> yeah, basically that's it. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. It's really funny. Um, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about, about the album. Another question I really find kind of illuminating for bands which are instrumental is like what do the tracks names mean like why do you choose them and do they have any meaning beyond just we need a track name <laughs> um it is kind of hard sometimes to write a song name as an instrumental band um i think um yeah our songs it's a lot of the ideas that we come up with musically uh, come from, as I said, improvised jams. Um, and when we're when we are jamming, um, you know, we we could be jamming for hours and hours at a time. We always record our jams as well and listen back, and then we pick out like certain parts that we that we like. So it's like, you know, after a bunch of these ideas were were put out there, um, then after looking through it, we just pick out the ones that we like, you know, that sounds nice and, um, you know, works with 
um, what we're playing and if we use that idea that we like, then we'll we'll take that as the base and start improvised jamming from that as well. And then again, try to find out what, what works with that. And I think it's <laughs> just the same with the band names really, like everyone's like, what, what are we going to call it? And um, we throw around ideas and say, oh, what about this, what about this? And <laughs> it's just the names that kind of stick. It, 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 some of it also comes from, um, you know, when we're jamming, we, we kind of just need a name for the song. So we we know what song we all want to play. So if we're, you know, jamming and we say, oh, we want to play that song that has this part and this part and they're like, and for someone's just like, oh, look, just call it this. Um, then that name that we kind of come up with obviously wouldn't work as a proper song name, but we <laughs> sometimes try to mould uh, another name that kind of sounds like that and, yeah, um, and that becomes the song name. So, I mean, sometimes there's other meanings that are a bit more deeper than that, but most of them I'd say come that way. Others, um, I mean, um, for this album, um, we got a French artist to do the the artwork um, and we thought it would be nice to name a song, um, we'll give a song a French name. So we've got a song called Souvert, um, and that means or something like um, under glass or something like that. So it's kind of got that connection as well. Um, yeah, and like just with, like the last album was called Yamadori, um, which is a Japanese word, and we we thought we'd like to give it some Japanese connection because the um, guy we record with now, Anzai, he's from Japan and um, also wrote about us in one of his books on reverb pedals and delay pedals. So we kind of thought we had a bit of a Japanese connection there. So we yeah, called that one Yamadori and now we've got kind of a French connection with this one and called Samsuve. <laughs> so yeah, just, I don't know, lots of different ways that we come up with song names, but that's just some ideas that we use. Mm, that's really interesting. I like that because it's, it's sort of like a kind of bland question, but it's so, it so gets your process. Let's sort of go, let's draw it back a bit. This album, you released the first one, your debut album, after the EP in 2014. This album's come mm-hmm. out four years later. At what stage did you start working on this new album? Mm. Well, we I think we would have liked to um, release an album a bit sooner than yeah the four-year gap. Um, but during that time, we our last drummer decided to leave the band and we... Um, so we founded our late, uh, yes, drummer James Carmen. Um, and yeah, we, we didn't want to rush into making an album. So, I mean, it wasn't just, you know, we finished an album and then we kind of decided time when to write the new one or something like that. We wanted to, you know, there were things that we had to do before we started writing and we actually had to, and again, because a lot of our music comes from improvised jams and improvised jams, you know, um, require you to have that chemistry with another musician. So you've kind of got to build that musical chemistry with the other, you know, with the other members. So we had to build that with James um, Carmen, and that took time. Um, but I mean, the whole time it was fun and enjoyable. We knew it was going to happen, but um, yeah, it just took time to develop that and understand each other. Um, and yeah, so. And from that, we started picking out parts of the jams that we liked and um, started yeah, forming tracks, putting them together. 
and um, yeah, the album took four years probably for that reason that um, we had to wait until our chemistry was built with the new drummer. Yeah. Mm, no, that's really fascinating. So the majority of the work on the album sort of done through these improvised jams. So, so we've, we've got that improvised jams and then improvised jams on top of those jams. But aside from that, is there any, like, do, do you, any other band members, work on anything outside of those those sessions? Do you, would you write any music in preparation? Would you, you know, what, what would you, do you do anything outside those jams? Yeah, so, um, yeah, a lot of us, um, if we've got if we've got an idea that we've that we've been kind of working on, you know, just sitting at home and and uh, making up riffs and everything, um, we'd bring those to band practice and we'd um, yeah play that play that riff to it. So I mean, sometimes I'll come up with um, an idea, a riff, and um, I'll have all these ideas in my head. Say, oh, it's going to sound like this, and the drums are going to do this, and this is going to happen. Um, but then when we bring it, when I bring it to um, band practice, you know, I, when I show them, the, it, it's, I don't really say, oh no, you know, play this, play that, play this. It's just like, I'll play it and then we'll see <laughs> what they come up with. And then, yeah, the end product is usually totally different to what I originally thought. So yeah, we definitely prepare some other things um, when we're behind the scenes, but yeah, I'd say most of it does come from um, yeah, um, listening back to the recordings, but um, yeah, maybe built off an idea that we've had outside, and then built from that. So with with the jams, like you you've worked an idea, um, you you've followed on from it, like from the sort of initial idea to completion. Like, how do you feel that something's ready when it's got that very improvised, sort of continuously improvised? process to it how do you how do you know when yeah this is this is basically done we can we can slap a label on it and get ready to record that particular song yeah um i think with the a lot of our songs um we may we may think it's we may think it's done um but then we might you know play the song at a gig or play it to some people and then um you know once you play it live you do kind of get a different feeling of of the song or you know it might be it might not turn out as well as what you thought in front of a crowd or um or just just playing it live you know and and then listening back to that recording it, w- it would be like oh maybe this part's too long and too short so yeah it it does take a long long time for our songs to develop <laughs> um and they they really do just keep changing um, as as we're going, so I mean, I think every our last album, last EP, and this album, um, there is still a lot of improvised parts that we play, even when we even when we're recording and playing live, and it kind of <laughs> um, the structure is usually pretty much set. Yeah, the structure is set, um, and we just I don't know, it's just whatever you know feels feels right and after playing it in front of people we find out what the structure should be but what we're playing inside that structure um yeah changes and then and then once we record it's kind of like well that's been recorded now so that's what the song is (laughs) and then once it's been recorded we kind of stop um improvising as much um when we play it live and it's kind of yeah more that 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 kind of sets it once it's 
actually been recorded. <laughs> Other than that, the song could just change throughout time. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about that? The fact that, you know, there's this sort of continuously flowing creative energy between you guys that sort of builds and builds and builds and builds on top of this sort of foundation. And then you, you take this action of recording it. And that's kind of, you know, it, it the song is sort of solidified to a greater extent. You can't continue building on it. How, how do you feel about that aspect of it? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, sometimes we've, you know, we, we play songs that were on our first e- EP or, of it on our first album and um where for the we, we always like we we always like to change the intros and the outros um to those songs just to I don't know because we naturally just want to keep developing it <laughs> um but obviously don't want to change it too much from that recording um but then at times it is kind of a relief to have it set in stone <laughs> you know because it's just changing and changing and once it's recorded, yeah, I think it's just like, well, it, yeah, it is. A, I think it is a bit of a, a release sometimes because you and because you know that that's what it's going to be based off, so you can't venture away from that too much. But then sometimes it can be annoying. You'd be like, ah, oh, I wish we recorded it, you know, um, with this part that we now play. <laughs> so it still does change after, but um, yeah, I think it, I think it keeps it exciting as well for people that are watching and also for us when we play it live because we still like it does that setting concrete on the recording but we will still improvise around it but um always you know not not too much though but um yeah it keeps it interesting because every live show is going to be different um and yeah every time we play it it's going to be interesting for us and hopefully the crowd as well so yeah there's positives and negatives of (laughs) having it set in stone and yeah Mm, so speaking of recording the album, you recorded it live to tape. Could you go through what exactly that means and why you chose that particular method? Mm, um, I think, uh, so yeah, recording to tape, the, the guy we record with now, Anzai, now he, I'm in Anzai, he, um, yeah, he's like a master of um, recording to tape. So it's a big old tape machine, the same tape machine, that they, you know, would have used in for like Michael Jackson Thriller and, you know, Beatles and everything. It's a multi-track uh, recorder. Um, so it's recorded. We we all play live together in the same room. Um, we've got our amps in, you know, their own amp rooms, but we're all in the same room. And we'll all play, yeah, we'll all play live um, and then do a number of takes. And um, whichever is the best take, we'll keep that. Um, and then that'll get recorded yeah, to the tape machine, but then that gets you know sent over to the computer so you can do further editing um, um, on the computer and mixing it and all that. Um, but then, yeah, once... I mean, that's just the basic foundation. On top of that, we do overdub um, as well. And so, yeah, that's obviously not done live, but the, you know, the basic tracks are all kind of done... Yeah, kind of done life. And uh, I think the reason why we chose that, uh, there were a few bands that we'd heard of. Um, Ari, when um, we were recording our EP, that were that used that strategy as well. So a band called Laura, um, post-rock, Australian post-rock band as well. They still play a little bit, not as much these days. But they recorded with now Anzai as well and um, used the same process and... Yeah, really liked the the thought of that, and because you know tapes sound uh, pretty natural, 
um, gives it a nice um, open sound, especially with the drums. And um, yeah, recording live, that's the way we play. So we thought, yeah, we'd, we'd do it on the recording as well. And yeah, we've liked the process of doing that and kept with it each, each um, time we record, which has been really good.
different sort of aspect of I, I would guess you know not necessarily aspect of but uh, one of the really sort of things that really came through in the in the in the music apart from you know obviously all the great stuff that's going on is like the bass it was sort of very distinctive tone i wasn't kind of quite ready for that aspect of it talk a little bit about you know the bass it's so sort of so prominent and and thick in the mix (laughs) yeah well i suppose not having a singer um we want each of the instruments to be kind of um you know um prominent (laughs) within themselves so um yeah the the bass and the drums um you know the rhythm section we we kind of do want to be kind of yeah really out there and and heard um we've always loved experimenting with different pedals and um, getting different tones and you know getting trying to get thick bass sounds i think it's just something that we really like is just really nice thick bass sounds and um you know, getting that distortion to really um, open it up. Um, I think without a singer, you can you can uh, increase the volume of the bass as well. Like in the recording process, it just without a singer, you can boost the bass a bit more. So it could be another reason why it's a bit more prominent. Um, but yeah, it's just yeah, we like experimenting and um, trying out new thick sounds and trying to get it as loud as we can and <laughs> that's what we like <laughs> uh, a specific question about one of the songs like you know with with this kind of on a broad category of music there's always interesting stuff that happens and you're always going oh that's really cool oh wow i wasn't expecting that well one thing that sort of well it was you know really i sort of had a significant reaction from me is mossian the, there's you get a little bit into the song it's kind of going you know it's going along and you're like oh yep 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 i know i know what's happening and then you don't because the song sort of fades away and then you kind of left not knowing where the song's going and then it kind of goes in a really different direction about that that part of the song um uh yeah i think um it was just something different i think we hadn't really done i haven't really um you had many you like you know parts where it just fades out into airiness it was just a different transition like (laughs) the song mossian does have different segments in it like if you listen to it you know the, the start's got that drum beat and the, the guitars drums and bass are all just you know doing a nice um uh riff and then um after the quiet part you've got um uh, guitar tapping and the, the rhythm does change a bit more then after that you've got um it goes into like a mathy more mathy part where there's a lot of tapping and um yeah so there's like three kind of different segments and uh, we were just thinking of just piecing it together without the fader but we thought yeah maybe we should just 
yeah, try try this out and let it kind of fade out, and we do like a bit of a um, airy um, soundscapey interlude between the two parts and piece it together. And we had really we had a lot of fun with it. Um, it was something different, and um, yeah, we thought that'd be something interesting, something different. So we just yeah left stuck with it, <laughs> and that's why we did it. No, it was definitely interesting. Um, sort of a bit more outside the musical aspects of the album. Is is there any meaning to the title of the of the record? Uh, yeah. Well, um, I suppose it did take four years to make it, so it was a lot of a lot of years to make it. Um, so yeah, we wanted something that you know kind of showed that. We had to spend a lot of time doing it. So um, the term "years under glass" is kind of like you know, as if if something's being kept under glass for years and years, like a, something that's in a museum. You know, it's placed under placed under glass and preserved. And um, um, yeah, and yeah, I don't know. We just wanted something that kind of sounded like um, yeah, we've we've all just been together and writing music for a number of years um, and we've come up with something and yeah, I don't know, I think someone said he's under glass and we thought about it and I'm like, oh yeah, we've been doing it for years. We've been kind of together in jam rooms for years and years trying to write up songs, so it kind of works. <laughs> um, and I suppose we kind of like, as I said, it was like if you keep a museum piece, something in a museum um, under glass, you know, there's everything, everything's under glass, kept under glass, you know, it'll um, keep it, keep it fine for years and years to come. So, um, yeah, so hopefully this album can be preserved as well. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's just something we came up with, and we thought, oh yeah, that could that could work. It sounds nice, and kept it. So yeah. You mentioned there was a French artist behind the artwork. Um, mm-hmm. What was like the the brief on the art? Was there anything that you were going for in particular? And the like the images. Is there any sort of meaning behind those three on the cover? Mm. Um, we wanted something uh, a bit more, just something simple but effective. Um, but we've, I think we've always liked. The idea of something being simple, but then when you look at it closely, it's really complex, you know? So, like, kind of like we're hoping that some of our music, you know, you can just listen to and it's enjoyable, but then when you look at it really closely and work out the details behind it, um, you know, you can, you can keep digging and digging and finding more and more about it. So with that artwork, you know, first glance of it, it just looks like a nice, Looks like nice artwork. It's just these three circles that it, um, and then you know if you look closer at it, um, it looks really intricate, which it is really intricate, and it's kind of got the eye. They kind of look like fractals as well, which we kind of like. So, um, you know, if you look at those closer, there's just never ending. There's more detail, more detail. Um, so yeah, I think I think all along we were think we're looking for something that was simple, um, but um, at the same time. Um, had a deeper meaning and that's what yeah that's what this art had and we just yeah really worked with us so 
yeah, we kept it. Sue there, final track on the album. It's got mm. that final track sound, like the, just the... I don't know how to describe it, but just the, the music kind of gives you the impression that it's a final track. So therefore, you know, it's a great final track for an album. Was that, was that intentional? Were you writing Suver, knowing like, hey, this is going to be the final track on the album, so let's give it a final track sound, or, or did it just kind of eventuate that way? <laughs> uh, funny thing is, we didn't. Yeah, we um, we wrote that song, yeah, not not knowing where we wanted to put it. It was just, um, it is it is kind of a song that um, uh, different to the other ones, it's a bit softer um, in some ways, uh, but. We when we were we had a, a certain order for the the track listing and um, that you know we had an idea of where we wanted everything to be, but then when it came to actually you know when we had to think about the time limit of um, having these on a vinyl, um, the order that we had the songs in they wouldn't fit on each side of the vinyl, so we had to change the order of the songs to fit the vinyl. Um, and then, yeah, and then I, I, I suppose when we thought thought of that, um, like knew that we had to change the order, um, everyone kind of thought that um, we we could put Suvair as an ending, and we thought, and then yeah, when when we put it as the ending, we thought, yeah, it kind of, yeah, we, and I, I agree with what you say is when you listen to it, and it, you kind of know it's like, ah, oh, okay, yeah, this sounds like it's a, it's going to be the end of the album, <laughs> so. Yeah, without knowing, it kind of just, yeah, worked. And, yeah, we're very happy with how it worked out (laughs) in the end. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about you guys playing live. You're on an Australian tour right now. You did your first date, I think it was last week, in New South Wales. Um, Yeah. So with with you guys not having a vocalist, a vocalist is usually the person who talks to the crowd, like, do you, do, you have, do you have a person who talks to the crowd? Do you have someone who kind of takes initiative and say, hey, guys, thank you for coming out, or whatever, whatever, however, you know, the routine goes? Do you, do you have someone like that, or you just kind of keep to yourselves? Like like some bands, you know, do. Yeah. Um, it's usually myself, um, other guitarist Ben, or our drummer James that decides to take, yeah, take the microphone. Um, it's good not having too many microphones on stage so we just usually at the start of the gig you know we'll say oh who wants to talk and um it'll be where one of us three that'll take the mic and yeah we between our songs when we play live we we usually flow the two songs together with um you know different noises or or loops um delay trails and all that um between the songs so there's not really much uh, it's not quiet enough for us to talk in between songs. It can be pretty loud between songs. Um, so usually around the, uh, the last song or the last couple of songs, we will say um, a word or two then. Yeah. But we definitely, yeah, we definitely want to make sure that we do talk every show, but not, yeah, just usually before the last song or around then. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So with the Australian tour, one show, how does it feel sort of having the album out there playing the new material? Um, we've, we were playing most of the tracks before we released 
the album just to yeah, as I said we like to play the songs before we record it but the I think the difference is this time is that the people that are listening know the songs <laughs> so yeah they've um, listened to the songs um, at home or wherever and um, yeah they it's 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 been nice finishing a gig and them saying you know oh, they liked I loved it when you played Mossy and I loved it when you played you know I still or something and um rather than them saying, oh, that song we had the bass that did this and the drums that did this, what was that one? We can never really work it out. But, um, yeah, so it's nice knowing that the crowd knows the songs and um, us knowing that the crowd uh, has listened to it live as well. Um, yeah, um, it's, just, it's just nice to know that um, we're playing to people that have actually heard the tracks <laughs> before as well, yeah. So when you're on stage, like, uh, this question I struggle to kind of articulate in though I've asked it, you know, dozens of times, <laughs> what, what are you trying to do? What are we trying to do when we play live? Yeah, like, you, like you've got, there's an ideal way you perform at a show. Like, what, what is it you're trying mm. to do that would, like, be your ideal way to do a gig? Mm. Um, we try to, I, I think most of us, when we're playing, we, we, we just make sure that we are fully, uh, feeling the music and playing the music together. Um, and in time, um, there's a, there's, yeah, we just want to, I think every time we play live, it does feel a whole lot different than um, rehearsing at a rehearsal studio. I think and the, the best way to realise that is that after a long jam, um, we're not sweaty, but then after one gig, we're very sweaty. <laughs> so, yeah, we just try to get into it as much as we can and feel it as much as we can um, and then hope that the crowd can enjoy it as much as, yeah, and, and then feel that, yeah, if the crowd can f- see that we're getting into it, then um, they can get into it as well, even more. So, yeah, I think we just try to feel it and play together as much as possible when we play live. A couple of last questions about you. When did you start playing guitar? Mm. Mm, uh, I was about 15 when I started. Uh, yeah, I bought an electric guitar and I only, play, only had an electric for a few years yeah, when I was about 15. And why did you stick with it? Uh, I think I, I... I tried other instruments. I tried violin and piano, um, and I got lessons at school. Um, and, you know, I'd practice every so often, <laughs> but it would always be songs that were just in the book that I'd never really heard of before. Um, and then, I don't know, I think I... I around 15 I started to really get into music you know the songs uh, not just like what it was in the radio you know you get into songs that you like or um, that are a bit different to just yeah the standard music um, and then with guitar I I took it lessons for a little bit of time but um, I, I didn't need to after a while because I just played so much by myself that I didn't need to have any more lessons 
I could just do it myself, which is what I did. And I used to sometimes play 12 hours a day or, you know, hours and hours a day, every day. I wouldn't miss a day going on holidays. I'd take the guitar with me. I just couldn't separate me from the guitar. (laughs) So I don't know. I just had to keep playing and playing and playing. And I didn't have that with any other instrument before. So you've been playing in the, you've released the first EP six years ago released two albums mm-hmm. now like how have you developed since then like how as a as sort of as a musician as i don't know someone creative how, how have you like developed since then um well yeah back then when we made wrote our ep it was um i was listening to a lot of post-rock kind of music back then um, and then because we started, that's when we, yeah, that was our first re- um, recording when we became a post-rock or instrumental band, um, heavily influenced by post-rock back then. Um, and then, uh, just as years went on, we just, I found out, you know, other, other forms of, um, music that are similar to say post-rock, um, all the other types of music like um you know that there's there's more math rocky ones there's more experimental um uh more droney um you know uh, more electronic more jazzy more you know all these different pathways to find and then as with yeah i think i've always developed my musical interests um with the band members and we all kind of do that because we all share music that we like and um we're interested in um and um yeah so we've all we all share music that we like and if one person likes it it's generally the other person likes it as well and just keep sharing our music so as we've been listening to different music we've been trying to make these different sounds that we've been hearing or when we play together we're trying to um yeah uh emulate similar sounds or make um our own versions of it or you know make our own different types say of sounds um and then we when we got our uh, new drummer james he introduced us to a whole new style of music that we weren't listening to as much and um yeah we developed and that changed our sound a heap as well because we started loving that type of music as well just naturally because you're listening to it together so much and playing it together so much so yeah i think we like I, my musical interest really gets um, influenced by the band members and what they're listening to. But at the same time, you know, I, I do obviously have my own influences that I introduce to them, which they end up <laughs> kind of liking as well. Um, I started guitar teaching um, a couple of years ago and um, doing that forced me to learn more theory and think about theory in a lot of different ways. Um, so... I suppose I have um, started understanding a bit more theory and maybe using that in a few bit more of our songs as well, which has helped me develop my musical tastes and interests as well. One last question, and I know it's like the most difficult question in the world. <laughs> what are some of your favourite bands or albums? <laughs> favourite bands or albums? Um yeah, it's a it's a hard one because it does it just keeps changing as time goes on. Um, yeah, I always have my like when I when I think of what are my what are my favourite bands. Um, 
I just think back and I, I think about the bands that I've liked for the longest amount of time <laughs> or the bands I liked for, you know, um, when I was into a certain type of music, what was my favourite band then and for how long. So, um, yeah, I mean, when I was about 18, 19, um, I was really loving, like, the Mars Volta back then, um, before that even, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> um, and I think that's where kind of the improvised jams kind of grew from as well is because we, I thought that they did it and we started to do it. So um, it's been a big influence, I suppose, just because of the on the improvised jam side. Um, and, then, and then again, Mars Volta do a lot of improvised jamming as well. Um, and then, yeah, after that, uh, well, similar time, you know, there was Radiohead um, around that age as well. Um, very arty, experimental stuff that they do. Um, and then, you know, getting into, you know, around the post-rock genre, obviously there's Mogwai, um, but there's also like uh, Australian bands, uh, one of my favourite, yeah, kind of instrumental bands of all time is a band called Pivot. They're called PVT now, but their first two albums, um, they're under the name Pivot. Um, and yeah, that was just, I hadn't heard music like that before. And I think that kind of got me into kind of post-rock instrumental type music because it was, um, yeah, a bit of yeah, different. And then there's a band um, kind of similar to them, but more electronic here called Holy Fuck. <laughs> um, they're amazing, just their creativity with their pedals and um, electronic instruments on stage. And, um, yeah, and then, I don't know, lately I, I couldn't really say who my favourite bands are at the moment because there's so many different ones. They'd maybe ask me in a couple of years and I'd be able to say um, what my favourite band was a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a heap of them. <laughs> Heaps.
That was Sank from Years Under Glass by Bear the Mammoth. And also from that album I played during the middle of the interview was Decembering. Really, really cool stuff. And I really appreciate James taking the time out to talk to me, especially since the other members of his band were doing an interview just a few hours later on PBS. So I appreciate bands kind of going out of their way to sort of... Yeah, but do do a bunch of interviews and it's enjoyable for me and I hope it's enjoyable for the people who listen to this show. This is normally the stage, I said normally, it's only been a couple of weeks, <laughs> but this is normally the time of the show where I put in a recommendation for a new album that's come out. I want to switch that up a bit this week and put in, put in a recommendation for an album that came out quite a while ago. So, Fed Buenzende is a Norwegian kind of avant-garde metal band released now back in, I think it was 1996, Written in Waters. And unfortunately, they didn't put out another record. They got together back in 2006, 2007. I think they were trying to release another record, but it just doesn't, didn't happen, unfortunately. Um, they've gone on, those members, to you know, other various bands, including Code, Virus, Dodheimsgard. So the talents haven't gone to waste, but it is disappointing that they didn't put out another record. Because this is a really special album. It's, it's, it's just weird. I don't think there's another album quite like it, even if you consider Code and Virus kind of similar bands. So it combines jazz and dissonance with black metal... But saying all those things, it's it's sort of a disservice to the actual album because it doesn't quite sound like any of those things. It, it's bizarre in a way because although it's so clearly emergent from the black metal scene and draws so heavily from that particular style, it it never quite feels like black metal. Rather than having the fervent and aggressive and cold feelings that a lot of black metal, particularly from Norway at that stage, felt like, it's calming and in some ways it's relaxing. It's has an odd sound, but it's a nice sound at the same time. And it's just a really interesting record, really interesting artifact. One of those one-and-dones where... Maybe they wouldn't have put out another great record, but at least they put out one great record. So, really enjoy that, and I encourage you to check that out, and maybe look into some of the other bands that have sort of spun off from a couple of those musicians. If you're in Adelaide, check out Bear the Mammoth playing tonight. If you want to send me a message, a question, a comment, a request for an interview, um, send me an email at australianhunger at gmail.com, or you can send me a tweet at SRHGBG. Uh, thanks for listening.